This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Chase Ralston with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Ball Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T-Bone Turner from The Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bow Hunter. It's really, really not that good. Hello and welcome back to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We're all in the studio right now. Myself, Kurt Geyer, Doug Schmidt, Eric Common, Austin Chandler, Ross Bigger, and we're really sober. Mm. And that, that's just the truth. We just had our garage party, and I feel like we're still, you know, we're all over 30. Are you over 30, Doug? <laughs> Not yet. Mm. A little bit of recovery. We all look mode. like we're over 30. Come to shoot. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> man, it just changes. But, yeah, we had, our, we had our annual garage party. Thanks to everyone who came out. That's like our private little just annual celebration that we do. Shout out to Ross for hosting and his Ross and, Robin, and uh, yeah. Club 200. Yeah, man, that was fun. It was epic. Yeah. It was a party. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was a good time. So this is our first time back in the studio from that. It's, so it's taken this long to recover. The older you get, the longer it takes, man. I'm telling you. Ugh. I know it's while it's we're sad. drinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> while we're, we're not drunk, but we're working on it. <laughs> Baby steps. Um, thank you for being here. Thanks for tuning in. If you gave us a rating or a review anywhere you listen, that's awesome. If you haven't, much appreciated. If you would go do it, it always helps. Um, iTunes, whatever. Just go in there and say like good podcast. So that's all you got to do. And, <laughs> 
I like cheese. Who cares? Hit that five star. Yeah, we really don't care. It'd be funny if it was random. Um, or just put something nice. Is it that hard? Um, WorkingClassBowHunter.com. I'm trying to think what we got coming up. Iowa Classic is on the way. Then we will be in Columbus, Ohio. Then the weekend after that, the last weekend in March, we'll be at Wisconsin, Dells, Wisconsin for the last show of the year. June 12th is our annual archery shoot at Galesburg Archery Club. Uh, Galesburg, Illinois, pretty much. Um, all that information is on our website. Uh, what else? I'm trying to just think of some quick announcements. Blast through them real fast. But the hunt giveaway? Yeah, we're doing a veteran hunt giveaway through Dirt Nap Outdoors. Um, they were awesome and just said, hey, help us give a hunt away. That is also on our website. If you hit the contact tab, you can just find all that right there, everywhere you need to go. And so that's, I think, our announcements now. We're having a special edition shirt coming to the Iowa Classic. Yep. I think we're going to make one special for Ohio and Wisconsin as well. Um, but I don't know if those will ever make the store, so you have to be at the show to get them. Kind of like an exclusive deal. Um, show but- only. Yeah, come on and drink a beer with us. It's a good excuse. Yep. Buy there us a go. beer. Buy some beer. Buy us beer. Yeah, buy us a beer. And then buy a shirt from us because yeah. – uh, That would be really nice of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd really appreciate it. Support the habit. Yeah, support the habit. Uh, the podcast is presented by HHA Sports. Um, always thankful for them. Uh, Scott Bakken's a good dude. He was at the garage party. And I say Scott Bakken with HHA because he's like – he's our boy at HHA Sports. Um, mm-hmm. Been partners of ours for a long time. Leader in single pin sites. Now, stabilizers and rests. Um, check them out. American-made, come with a lifetime warranty. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's hard to argue with right there. Um, also, Scent Crusher, Loophole Optics, Thermosy, Victory Archery, Gator Outdoors. I think Wade changed the promo code. Oh, yeah, WCB15 is the HHA code. But I think Wade changed the Gator Outdoors promo code from WCB10 to WCB25. 25 now. So he decided to step her way up, which Bam. is pretty cool. <clears throat> So, you know, support a small business, a growing business, and good people right there. WCB25 at GatorOutdoors.com. Um, also, <laughs> my daughter's screaming in the background. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Studio's in my house. Um, Rogue Ridge e-bikes and the Grind Turkey Decoys. Um, I'm I'm nervous to get my bike here because I'm afraid I'm just going to wreck it in the snow and break my collarbone, but I'm going to go for it anyway. <laughs> Full speed ahead. <laughs> I'm going to try and find Send at it. least one shed off that thing. And those things just look sexy. I'm looking at that picture. That color is sweet. Oh, yeah. They come in uh, mossy oak bottomland, I believe, is the camo pattern. I get all my mossy oaks mixed up. I like that tan color. Yeah, I, I like the tan want, color, too. The mossy oak I like because you could, hide, you could like ride that thing to your tree and just hide it. Right. So I'm all into that. Uh, the decoys. So we have uh, what we call turkey palooza, and we have – these decoys are going to be put to work. We have, I don't know how many groups of people that were all going out for Turkey Palooza weekend. It's turning into a party. It's Camera guys. Yeah, the, the good and bad thing, you can only hunt birds till one in Illinois, but it just means we get to have a have start the barbecue a little early. It's actually a good thing, really. Yeah, mushroom hunting, a <laughs> little whiskey drinking. It's yeah. going to be a good time. Be a real shed good hunting. Time. Oh, yeah. If Long there's year. any left by then, they've already dropped on the farms we're going to be looking at, or no most kid. of them have. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, big time, code WCB2021. Um, man, you guys got all your supplemental feed, and they need it right now. The deer are hurting. Yep. Um, it is cold. It's been cold. We have a ton of snow, and luckily, you guys in Iowa get to supplemental feed your deer. That's right. Be dumping it out Friday. You bastards. I'm jealous of that. I feel bad for him right now, especially in this. It's like, Illinois, get your head out of your ass. Let's go. Yeah, it's, it's kind time. of an ethical thing at this point. Yeah, it's freaking, what was it, negative 14 the night of our party? Yeah. Uh, yep. It was negative 20 when I woke up this morning at 
3.30. No kidding? Yeah. That's too cold. Yikes. Way too cold. It's no for me, dog. Yeah, that's sad. I feel bad for him. Big time, WCB 2021. That code works for everything at Big Time. They are also the title sponsor for our shoot. So if you come to the shoot, you'll probably walk away with a bag of Big Time. They have a ton of giveaways. So come on out. Um, Old Barn Taxidermy. Oh, man. It's cool. Looking at like a place like Ross's and thinking about like the taxidermy work you'd have done and like the possibilities that get open. But my bear mount's right around the corner. I talked to Sam today, uh, the owner of Old Barn. We are st- we're going to get together and pick the winner of the WCB um, Deerhead oh, yeah, giveaway. How about that? Very cool. Yeah, I talked to him today. He's, I was like, you want to just pick one and get going so we can get on the show? He's like, let's do it together. He's like, we'll draw out of a hat and, cool. and cool. do it all. Awesome. So That works good. Old Barn Taxidermy. Um, so, yeah, that's coming down the line. Doug, you got a veteran shout-out? I do. This uh, veteran shout-out is brought to you by Operation HHA USA. And uh, their goal is to achieve uh, and create a sense of community for veterans and active military through archery and the outdoors. And they do uh, a bunch of shooting events in uh, Wisconsin, 3D shoots. Should be coming up here pretty soon once it actually gets nice out. <laughs> yeah, we'll the to, summer. We'll have to get the details for all that. Nice but, weather. Uh, summer. HHAUSA.org. Yep. So uh, – Yep, this veteran shout out is <laughs> it's a little random. It's not really. A, it is a veteran shout out for himself, but at the same time, it's not. It's submitted by uh, David <laughs> Shiletto, and it even says uh, this is not a veteran shout out, but you mind helping me out? He's in the United States Marine Corps. It says uh, yes, I'm a a vet, so I guess I'm qualified to message y'all here. But I need help getting a hold of the Hundred Box Club. I'm one of the 25 year olds from a beautiful world. Of way better Iowa, southern Illinois, where Bushlight Diesel is boss. Kurt, stop being a pussy. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm stuck in Maryland working for the Marine Corps as a dirt helicopter mechanic and have no form of, no form of social media, so I can't get a hold of them on Facebook, and I have and I can't find a phone number. I'm just trying to change my address for my subscription, <laughs> but the damn website says they don't have an email on file. If you could get a phone number, that would be awesome. Also, I'm a huge fan of the show. Y'all are doing it right, and I love how you guys capitalize on ethics, fuck poachers, P.S. I'm also hammered and decided this is the best way to fix my 100 Box Club subscription problem. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are killers. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Sorry for this probably misspelled shit. We're so, having a blast uh, with this. Thanks for submitting that, Dave. <laughs> hey, thanks for your service, dude. That's our people right we'll, uh, there. We'll try helping you out. Hey, you've been forwarding me that email yeah. so I can get them taken care yeah, of. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll help you out here. P.S. I'm hammered. <laughs> thanks, Dave, for your service. I'm, I'm sure. glad he clarified that because we'd have just been like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> I'm, sure nah, he, I'm sure he didn't think that was actually going to make the veteran shout out. But uh, That's awesome. I'm glad it, it did. It did. <laughs> here you are, Dave. This is for you. <laughs> shout out to you, Dave. This beer's for you. Keep on keeping on brother that's awesome <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious well we have a podcast with our old friend here in store uh travis t-bone turner pretty cool mr billy joe launched by himself yeah returning guest it's just kind of mind-blowing that someone of, of his stature and magnitude and personality and persona is willing to come back to our show um, it is cool it is really cool we're kind of joking when we do that but he's a good dude um i feel like we've got to become friends with them over the years and it's always good to catch up with them. So thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. All right, back on the podcast, we have our boy Travis T-Bone Turner from Bone Collector. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Man, I feel like I feel like I don't know. You know how when you go to Subway and you like you get 10 Subways and then you get one for free? I, we got to be getting up there close to 10 or something like that. I mean. <laughs> You're hitting your punch card. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm expecting a. 
12 pack of beer or something out of the deal. <laughs> I think we'll have to do that if we ever get to see each other at a show again, but I think things are kind of going back to normal. So I'll, uh, I'll dig your punch card out of that little spiral deal and pull it out and see where we're yeah. at. Perfect. Yep. The, the, the working class bow hunter, uh, punch card. That'd be great. Yeah. You just, you get a case of Bush in a, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nice. I wonder how, I mean, we were kind of counting before the podcast, so this has got to be, I don't know, six or seven episodes you've done with us, something like that. I know it, man. They're, they're so fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, like what else said, and then especially the ones that we've done at the ATA when we're all sitting there face-to-face and as a big group. I'm, God, we have so much fun. It could be three hours long, no problem. I, I, we have such a good time doing those. Yeah, it's nice doing that. Like we get, you know, normally do them on the phone, but we get to connect. It just the conversation flows so much differently when you're in person, and you get the like the nonverbal expressions of like stories and just general conversation. Yep, it certainly adds to it. it sure does. But this is a close second, man. We'll, we'll take what we can get. But we we do appreciate you coming back. We figured the first time, way way early on, we would have scared you off, but apparently we just weren't <laughs> wild enough. No, no, man, I, I appreciate you guys having me. I thoroughly enjoy it. Y'all do such a great job, and it, it uh, before long we're going to be scaring number 500. So, you know, hats off to you guys, and congratulations for all the continued success. I know all the, you know, we, we use the terminology still to this day, Billy Joe Lunch Buckets out there, they they love the podcast. <laughs> yeah, That's and thanks way. for doing that for our intro. It's pretty cool, so still use yeah. it to this day, but... But, man, let's talk about you a little bit. Let's talk about this season, man. You're on fire. No kidding. Yeah, I, I, man, I, here in Georgia, I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough to kill two, you know, great bucks here in Georgia, and I, I've been telling everybody they're so nocturnal down here, you know, versus like some of the Midwest deer. Well, whitetails are nocturnal, period, anywhere, but they really are down here in the south, and uh, I feel I, – feel like i killed a unicorn and a vampire all in the same year I swear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no I, I i attribute a lot of the success to uh covid to be honest with you because we travel so much in july and august doing mm-hmm. you know appearances at expos and stuff and I, I got to spend a lot more time at home i got to spend more time running trail cameras and you know dialing everything in here at home and plus my farm in kansas and i got to go out there for a whole 10 days and scout and line things up and get everything dialed in out there too so i mean i'd killed three of the best bucks i've ever killed in my whole life uh before october 10th i was done so i was like <laughs> wow Jesus. man that's crazy yeah that is cool yeah it, somebody go ahead somebody somebody had to pay for all the covid crap we've been going through huh no kidding i mean <laughs> that's kind of funny like especially with like media outlets like i feel we probably benefited too as far as numbers go with covid because everyone's doing Stuff where podcasts fit in, like at home or at work, or getting more into it where they wherever they can if they weren't working or whatever. But it's cool, like hunting. It didn't change anything for people who like to go outside. Yeah. So no, no, yeah, no. We've seen a huge resurgence of that. You know, I mean, uh, within the industry, like bow manufacturers are, you know, they're selling as many bows as they ever have. Guns. Well, of course, you can see that. I think that's a little political and COVID, but right. uh, guns and ammo and such like that. But like Polaris. Um, and the boats, so many boats are sold. It's been one of the best years ever. People are people say, hey, you know, that's that's a uh, safe way to do distancing. And, you know, I think uh, I'm going to rekindle my old flame of being outside. And people that were thinking about doing stuff outside, they're, they're just going ahead and doing it. So, uh, 
I'm, I'm trying to look look in the positive aspect of it, and maybe we sold a whole bunch more hunting licenses this year, and and we'll do so in upcoming years too because of it. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. Um, talking about killing your three biggest bucks before October 10th, you said. I yeah. can't even imagine what that would be like, but um, we sort of asked this question to Nick, and I want to kind of throw this to you as well. Like with all the hunts you guys get to do, and as many animals as you get to put arrows through, I know I see you guys kill like a big animal, and you might mention like this is my biggest whitetail, or this or that, or whatever the species is. Do you ever feel like you're going to just hit that cap, and like there it is, that's the biggest one I'll ever kill? Like, does that go through your head often when you kill an animal? Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, I I've never been. Uh, I, I mean, I can kind of speak for Nick and Michael, but I can certainly speak for myself. Like I, I, uh, I like to shoot too much. I, I'm looking for broadside <laughs> more than I am big, big rats and stuff like that. It's this just year, this year just happened to be, uh, you know, the first come first serve. They were some really good trophies, and um, I, you know, I was I was able to get an arrow in them. But I mean, if you've watched the show, we've we've kind of built our whole career on you know killing. If they've got kind of enough birthdays we uh we're 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 apt to put an arrow through them so we're not a lee lakowski we don't hold out for the 190 or 200 every time it's it's more of a first come i will kill a 190 or 200 but he better be the first one down the trail <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about these i mean we don't have to break them down too much because everyone's going to get to watch them eventually but let's break down these three bucks if you don't mind yeah no not at all and my pleasure they um Kansas, um, we bought. I bought this piece of property with my buddy Pete. We bought it about, uh, I, I think it was January of last year, and we knew our, it was mixed in with property. We had three thousand acres that we can hunt, and it's mixed in the middle of it. It's two hundred forty acres, and we were getting pictures of this deer early on, like June, July. I knew it was going to be something special, and it got towards the end of a uh, uh, middle of August, and went in there and set up three different spots on this two hundred forty acres, and. This deer was so regular, three times a day, daylight from about the 15th of August all the way up to opening day of deer season was on the 14th of September. And, and you know, normally I've never hunted uh, Kansas that time of year. Usually we're doing an elk hunt or something out west or definitely a Kentucky hunt. And, uh, I, you know, an, an opening day of Georgia season's right then too. So I wasn't really concerned about Kansas because we always think Midwest you're always going to go last part of October, first part of November, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just the time we go. And I thought, well, I said, uh, man, this deer's so regular. Why am I going to wait and try to chase him in November? I mean, he's just doing everything clockwork. i got to go get him while he's, uh, you know, coming out in daylight. So um, we had set up all those blinds and stuff like that, and he was coming so regular. I went out there. This was during muzzleloader season, but you could hunt with a bow. I had a bow tag, and then you just have to wear orange. So I had an orange hat, orange vest on, and um, first day, didn't see him. He, he, he did come in after dark, the cameras told us, but then the second day he came in light enough for me to shoot him, but not light enough for the camera. So watched him feed at 20 yards for 35 <laughs> minutes, uh, you know, 180 inch buck. And I'm like, Oh man, you gotta be kidding me. You're a stronger man than so, I am. Yeah, no shit. Oh, I know. And I'd then, have the worst um, TV show of all time though, just for the record. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, all it would be is just a bunch of great recoveries, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, probably not even that. Just be flashlight oh, footage. See that? There goes Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, see that? Yep. Smoked him. I swear it was legal shooting light. Yep. So, uh, but then the third night he came out like an hour before uh, last light and uh, got good footage of him and um, you know shot him and made, lucky enough to make a good shot and he 
he went about 70 yards and piled up. So at that time, um, he was about three-quarters of the way out of velvet, so he's got a little bit of velvet, makes it really good character. He grosses 181, and that's my biggest buck Ooh. ever. You know, as long as I've been hunting, he, he grossed 181, and I was just tickled to death. But while I was in Kansas, I'm getting trail cam pictures back here at home of two bucks that I've been watching for two months. Um, I had a big typical that was never on my place. He was always on the neighbor's place. And um, I was able to do some scouting. I, I actually watched him about a mile and a half away thinking oh, he'll never be on my place. And and then all of a sudden, like three weeks before hunting season, he starts showing up on my place just regular, regular, regular. And I'm like, this deer's a roamer. He has been for years. And I said, he's not going to stay here long. So I got back home and I seen both of the, the two deer that I ended up killing. I was targeting them. I'd let the real big Don Typical, I'd let him go uh, last year, and I knew he was five and a half last year, and he was big, but both of these deer, I don't know if it's just the perfect storm, they both put on easily 25 inches uh, no this year, and I'm not wow. saying, I, I promise you, yeah, I'm, um, and, and we need to tell that story too, But and I can't, you know, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, it's the feed I'm feeding them, I mean, I think it's a combination of everything, just the age was right, it was the right year, the right amount of rain in the spring, uh, low stress levels, uh, you know, I did feed them, i I've been feeding all year round for the last three years. It's about to break me, and i got to hide <laughs> money that I spend on feed for my wife and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Getting that bad, horrible, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. But uh, anyway, I think all of the all of the above just kind of added to it, and I couldn't believe that they jumped that much. You know, I've heard people say that in the past. Yeah, this deer jumped 30 inches this year, and I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't see that down here. But both of these deer did just about jump that much, but – um, they were both showing themselves in daylight. I'm like, golly, I got to get home. And the big non typical where he was on my property, um, there was just no way to bow hunt him. There was no way that I could get in there without boogering him. I, I might have got one, maybe two hunts in, and then I know I would have pushed him off my property and or forced him to be nocturnal because he's six and a half now and he wouldn't have hand, had it. So low tolerance for bullshit on a deer like that. What's that? I said a deer like that has low tolerance for bullshit. Oh yeah, exactly. And and being as he was, you know, right on the line and right close, I was like, man, I I just I just can't play with this deer. So before I'd went to Kansas, I'd set up a, a ground blind. I had a redneck blind, you know, because we can rifle hunt down here. And I had I, I had some areas that he was coming in that I could shoot two or three hundred yards. But rifle season doesn't come in until October, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to bow hunt him where I was at because I would have ended up screwing him up. And I and I say that because. You know, we're trying to film it as well. It's not just like going there and kill him. You, you're trying to film it as well. So I put up mm -hmm. a pop-up blind because I couldn't shoot two or 300 yards with a muzzle loader, or I didn't feel comfortable to. And then if he came out of that last light, you know, you can't see two or 300 yards. So I needed to get closer, but I couldn't get bow close. So I popped up a blind about 80 to 100 yards away from where he was in the vicinity where he was. And... um just let him get real used to it it's been there since the first of september i never even went into that area uh you know other than just to plant the food plots and um was just going to wait it out till october the 10th which was muzzleloader i was like you know and if he starts showing up somewhere else i might try for him with a bow but if not i'm just going to wait till muzzleloader season and just keep him low pressure and keep him happy give him everything he wants and then this other deer it was on the 25th of september and this is a big uh, typical 10, 
and that's my son's birthday. So my son's like, yeah, we want to go to dinner tomorrow night. I'm like, okay, okay. And and I'd hunted two nights because he was this deer was daylight and we we didn't see him. We seen plenty of deer, but mm-hmm. not him. So it's on my son's birthday and uh, um, the, my camera guy wasn't going to be here and it was his birthday. I said, yeah. I said we're not going to hunt tonight. So. On the way home, my wife and my son said, uh, Dad, we're hungry now. Can you just meet us at the restaurant? And that was like at 3.30, 3.45. And I'm like, hey, I wasn't even hungry. I said, yeah, I'll meet you. And we went and <laughs> I'm ate. starving. Yeah, we, yeah, we went and ate and uh, sat there, and we got done. And, you know, now you know it's staying daylight till 8.30, 8.45 still. It's summertime hours. And uh, I said, hey, guys, I said, what, what are we doing tonight? You know, I, what if my son would have said, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to – we want to watch a movie. And he, I said, you mind if I go hunting? He said, he said, uh, he said, no, you can go, Dad. I said, I'll be back right back at dark. So that's awesome. I said, I asked my, yeah, I asked my son if he wanted to go, and he he didn't want to go. So I filmed myself. I I, I took my camera. I was in a red. I was going to be in a redneck blind anywhere where I was at. Set up the camera. He came out a solid hour before dark. I, w- I actually I was hunting in blue jeans. I took a black shirt <laughs> and blue jeans. I was thinking this ain't going to happen, but I got to try, you know, because he's been so consistent. And the wind was right. I had the ozonics. I did everything. I, I kept the windows closed. And this is, you know, Georgia heat, nine twenty, and you know, the twenty fifth of September. I'm ninety degrees. I'm smoking really, really hot in there, like a sauna. And uh, he comes out an hour anyway. Plays cat and mouse. And we we actually just did the interviews for the show the other day. And I had uh, twenty three minutes of pre roll of him <laughs> under 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 sixty yards which is unheard of and before he would you know come into where i could crack a window and shoot him so i had plenty of footage of him but anyway he he come into 23 yards and i got an arrow in him and he he ran 40 yards and died and he ended up uh uh 161 is what he grossed grossed as a 10 pointer damn and then and then while i'm filming him and waiting on him i'm getting pictures of daylight of the big non-typical not 400 yards away at the same time. <laughs> wow. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And these two deer, these two deer were never on the same camera. As far as I know, they never, it was almost like they took my property, divided it in half and they, I never got them on the same camera. They never were in the same areas. It was just like they, they, you know, they, they divvied it up, you know, they had an agreement. They had an agreement. Yeah, well, big, big bucks will yeah. do that. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Or there was a restraining order against both of them. Or something like that. <laughs> they had something Some crazy ex girlfriends. Uh, yeah, so I, so then I started working on the other cameras. I had eight trail cameras out trying to pattern this non typical as to where he was coming because he was he was like once every three or four days I'd get a daylight picture, but other than that it was all nighttime stuff. And I was trying to like where he would come to. I'd have protein feeders up closer to the road or to my house and then where he was bedding at i was thinking that he was bedding i started going and putting little appetizer piles out there because you can bait here in georgia so i'd put Mm -hmm. appetizer piles and i would catch him you know on his way because i knew he'd be right after dark he'd be at the protein feeders and i was started working my way towards his bedding area without going in it and i put my put the little appetizer power piles and I found out exactly where it was. And, and it was within, within, was within the vicinity of that uh, ground blind that I put up a month before. And, uh, I was just waiting on October 10th. It was nowhere and got no pictures of him in anywhere that I could bow hunt. I would have definitely boogered him up for sure. So opening day of muzzleloader was, I may be lying to you. It may, October 10th was opening day of muzzleloader 
and it was pouring rain here. The wind was wrong, so I didn't even hunt. It was killing me not to go, but I didn't go. And then the next next evening, uh, we went, and and sure enough, like uh, 25 minutes before dark, he came out and shot him, and uh, he ended up uh, grossing 186. So, God yeah, damn, man. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, as a, from a Georgia buck, yeah. So and That's kind of unheard of down a, there, right? Oh, it is, yeah. He had 25 inches of non-typical points on one side, and he's only uh, 13 and three-quarter inches inside spread. But wow. Holy smokes. Extreme, yeah, extremely tall and really long main beams and stuff. It it was the one that I, I – well, I sent you one of the pictures there, Kurt. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and I and I I know I'm real excited about talking about this, but I'm not. I mean, I hope it doesn't come across as bragging, but you just, you know, we, we and you guys can relate to this. I'm sure people out there that are listening, you're you're proud of any deer you kill, no matter where you go, if you go with an outfitter or whatever. But these, I had tremendous amount of sweat equity, which actually helps with the pride factor, meaning like. You know, I didn't just show up at a Texas place, and not that I'm not proud of that, and anybody shouldn't be proud of that, but, you know, if the pride factor's a 0 to a 10, you know, when it's you doing all the homework, you're doing all the sweat equity, you're putting in the time and the camera, food and everything, it takes it from a 5 or 6 pride factor on up there to a 9 or 10. So, yeah, um, yeah. so I, I hope by me, you know, explaining that, that's the way people are taking it, not like, I'm the baddest hunter around. I just happen to be the luckiest hunter. Well, <laughs> you sure. you played it right too. I mean, every every match that you have with a deer is a chess match, but you had three different chess matches going on in the same season, and you played it all perfectly. So kudos to you. I mean, that was couldn't have been played any better. Doesn't sound like. Yeah, it just, just it was it was really. I mean, I was like me and my buddy Brian. We was like, uh, man, if I can if we can just get one of these deer you know, I will feel completely blessed because it, it is so hard to kill a Pope and Young in Georgia. It really is. And I was like, if we could just get one of these deer, I, I would feel so blessed. And and actually, uh, we got an, you're only allowed two bucks here, but I've got another one that's pushing 150, a 10-pointer, that uh, I think he's mature enough to kill. I, th- I think he's five and a half, but um, my buddy Brian thinks he's four and a half. So he said, he goes, let's just let's just lay off on him and we'll see. You know, so we, we let him go and he's, he's He's over on the property. So if I'd have had three tags, I potentially could have killed <laughs> three really good bucks here this year. So That's awesome, man. Well, what's cool about it, and yeah. I was going to bring that up, um, you, you you kind of touched on a little bit, like the sweat equity in it. And, you know, Bone Collector is probably the biggest show out there, and you guys are probably some of the biggest, most down-to-earth personalities out there. And so I think – it's easy for people to be like, oh, everything they do is just they get there and kill and leave. Like I get, you probably get that a lot on social media, just people being assholes. But um, they probably don't get to hear some of the extra details. I'm sure you guys show it enough, but you know, you did these on your own property, which is awesome. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I mean, I talk about it some on social media if you if you follow me. But honestly, it's got to the point in my life where I, I love hunting, I really do. But I get more enjoyment out of the land management the skid steer work the clearing for food plots and the the tractor work and i I get as much out of that as i do the killing of it because that that opens it up to those people and I, i feel like a broken record saying this but those people that hinge their whole hunting on them killing a certain deer they're missing the point man i mean uh hunting is us sitting here you know, drinking a couple of cold beers, talking about our hunts and doing like what we're doing now. It's us going shopping at 
you know, some of the stores that's getting in, in the backyard, you know, shooting tournaments and, and uh, you know, ribbing each other and studying maps. And it's something every day that's towards it, you know, that, that uh, you know, kind of scratches your itch every day. And fortunately, you know, I've, I've been able to, you know, buy a few pieces of equipment. And, man, I, I'm telling you, just sitting in a cockpit of a skid steer or a tractor and, just improving the land and you you know you, you don't really think it's relaxing and as soon as you get off of it you look what you did and mm-hmm. knowing that what's going to benefit from it it is so so rewarding so i maybe yeah. that's an older older thing but man I'm, I'm i'm sure loving that i mean that's what i was I doing today is we're actually uh we were um uh, I'm, I'm running a mulcher and I'm, we got a half acre of bamboo that's 50 to 60 foot tall bamboo sticks i mean these these you can't make no cane poles out of these these are Bigger than my arm. I mean, they're like 22 <laughs> inches around. No kidding. The bamboo man. poles. Oh, it's, yeah. We don't have anything so, like uh, that around here. That's for when you want to go bank pulling for sharks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got a Hulk exactly. Hogan arms over yeah. there. <laughs> I know it. I was like, hey, how about a, I'd like to see Van Dam kick one of these <laughs> poles. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into that land management thing because I think that's a, I don't feel like that's a dying thing with like the next generation. I mean, the older I get, I want to do the same thing, like buy a little tractor, and I'm working on buying an old 18 JD650 right now, you know. I think we're all into it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cool. It's interesting. It's one more thing to get you involved in the whole process. Um, and you post a lot on, like, doing your land management stuff. But uh, <laughs> I don't think any tree is safe on your property, T-Bone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got, I got to be real careful, I mean, because I've only owned a skid steer for about four years now, and um, you know, some of the places right here around the house, I, I get a little carried away and I'm like, ah, maybe should have not opened that up. The deer, deer come to eat, but they ain't got no place to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's wood chips all over the place. Yeah. What's, uh, what's some of the things that you've done that you feel like made the most, uh, impact or positive improvement on your ground? Um, it's, uh, well, food plots for one, uh, you guys know, I mean, you guys are up there where uh, agriculture is king. Mm-hmm. Whereas for us, agriculture has kind of went by the wayside the last 25 years, and uh, in this portion of the state, I should say, anyway. So what we have here is pine trees. Pine trees are the number one crop. They've bred them to where you can take a, a, a seedling that's only six to eight inches tall, and you can take it and go through three cuttings, uh, whether it be like a, a um, not a clear cut, but like a thinning, and then a second thinning, and then a clear cut, all within 20 years. So, so from, you know, when you see a tree cut down, you know how it kind of, a tear comes to our eyes. Like, man, that tree's been growing for 100-plus years. Down here, we've gotten pine trees down to where you can grow them from 6 to 8 inches tall to full maturity, way bigger than any telephone pole that you've ever seen in 20 years. So they're growing real fast. So that is our cash crop. So I say that because any available field that we had that might have had some soybeans or corn in this portion of the state has all been planted in pine trees, so mm-hmm. um, we don't have we don't have the food that we normally would. So if you do get a piece of land that you buy, or you're you, we have leases, a lot of leases, you get on uh, timber company, you go in there to where the loading docks was, and you just fight for any open spot to clear off to plant something, so that you have something be besides uh, native browse and or the mass crops, which are acorns and stuff, which. We don't have nowhere near as many hardwoods as what you guys do. It's mainly pines. And once pines reach a certain maturity, it chokes out any underbrush, and there's nothing underneath there. You might find a few places where a deer can bed, but as far as nutrition for the deer, they don't have it. So we rely heavily on 
feeding uh, protein troughs as well as uh, food plots. So the guy who has food plots uh, is drawing a lot of deer around here. We don't have the harsh winters, but nonetheless, you know, we, we're fighting and jockeying for that. So um, putting in, to answer your question, to put in uh, really good food plots, not just planting something that's green to really uh, deep tillage because the, the, the soil is so uh, clay-based and it's really hard compacted. We have to subsoil so that we retain the moisture, so that we retain the nutrients, heavy lime, uh, and make the pH levels right so that you get the higher yields and the uh, increased tonnage so that it'll handle all the browsing. You know, we're allowed to kill 12 deer down here every year, so uh, we have we have a lot of numbers, and we don't have as much food as you guys do. So, you know, you do plant a little food plot. The guy gets out there and scratches around and plants him a half acres, and they keep it down. It looks like a putting green because the deer <laughs> keep it nipped down. Right. <laughs> so, so anything you can do to increase the quality of your food plots to get higher yields and more tonnage is a huge plus. So, uh, I've done a lot of that, um, and the, as well as like you know, with the skid steers, you'll go around and trim the whole edges of the food plot so that you don't have overhanging limbs to where uh, you can get more sunlight and you can increase increase the more acreage that the the fields have that you are planting so uh it's the little things like that and making uh putting the food plots putting the redneck blinds putting the blinds where you're long term rather than maybe it's not a you know you see the Drury's do this all the time and they do a fantastic job of it but it's a it's if you have your own land you can create the deer travel corridors to where you want them to be you know the, the land will tell you some of those things but you can make it to where it'll be a something that'll benefit every year after year whereas you know i grew up hunting like so many people have to do uh you know and this is just if you're leasing or uh, owning the land but you know you scout out and you have to go in there and which tree are they eating under whereas this way the land management practice of it you can make something it's harder work in the beginning but it'll pay huge dividends year after year after year because the deer are going to get used to it and it'll be a routine as to how they grow up in within the herd interesting yeah i didn't know I knew a little bit like, you know, coming from the Midwest, I've been in, I've been in like Georgia for about five minutes, that little sliver where you're going to Chattanooga. I'm like, cool, I'm in Georgia. And then I'm back in Tennessee. So I don't, I've never really been in like the, I guess, deep ish South. I don't even know if it's considered that, but that's how I view it anyway, being from Northwest Illinois. But you always hear like Georgia pines, of course. Um, yeah, and pe- I, people yep. need them two by fours, you know? <laughs> right. And yep. I picture like just like you said, just a bunch of I don't timber, but it's it's not timber hardwoods. Um, so it's it's just interesting, you know, that we were spoiled a little bit to a point up here where we live in corn and soybean yeah. ground. Um, so when we put in plots, it's like if you can get in like a, a turnip plot or leave standing beans, like that that's our late season gold right there. Um, yeah, but I guess we kind of take advantage or we just don't know any different. Really. Um, we have food all the time for our deer. So, and that explains like the, the body weight and, you know, we have different soil and genetic and stuff here in the Midwest. So that's when we typically get the, the giant, the giant classic Midwestern bucks, um, which that, you know, oh, yeah. after you explain that, that makes, you know, that your 161 inch and a 186 inch buck in the same season, that much more impressive. So the work you did obviously is, is it's paying off, paying yeah. off big time. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure that does help some, but it takes great genetics and just age. Um, you know, it's it's all three of those things. I mean, and you know, it, you're going to have freaks. I mean, uh, it, you know, it's just a, a 
just a freak deer. I mean, it they just you just got to take advantage of it, and they just so happened there was two of them for me this year. I, it, I might not do it again, even close to that in my lifetime again, but mm-hmm. it, at least I can I can justify spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on killing two deer. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, your wife doesn't listen yeah. to this. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I'm talking about well, and I, I say that much. I mean, and you know, buying land, and why did you buy land? Whereas you could live in an apartment, but you know what I'm saying. If you yeah. if you really sharpen the pencil on it, it's like wow, venison is expensive. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. How much per pound? It's like let's do some math here. Yeah. Oh, what, I know it. What's wagyu? <laughs> Get the hell out of here with yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. So hunting Georgia. What do you think if you had to pick something? And I'm doing this for uh, to see if anything razzes you up a bit. Is uh, there anything you absolutely hate about hunting Georgia? Like, or maybe not hate. Maybe hate's a strong word. Something you would really like to change about hunting Georgia? Yeah, grind your gears. Yeah, let's, let's get them gears grind a little bit. Um, I was a, I was upset. I was a big advocate for them legalizing baiting, and they they did that. They. This was kind of silly. They had the state divided in half. The southern half, uh, you could bait, and then the northern half, you couldn't bait at all. And I thought that was silly. I mean, I didn't, I didn't understand that. But in the last three years, we've been able to bait the whole state. Mm. And uh, it was, I, I'm right on the, I was right on the border, meaning I'm the last county uh, in the northern zone. So therefore, I couldn't bait. But you go, you go 15 miles south of me, and you could bait. <laughs> it was kind of silly. Really? We're in the middle of the state. Yeah, we're in the the, the what they call the Piedmont region. So, uh, any you know, you go an hour south of here, and it's huge agriculture: soybeans, cotton, peanuts, uh, peach trees. You get a lot of that. You know, the it's a sandier soil. The, the pine trees don't grow so well. But this Piedmont region has a lot of, um, like I say, it's sandy, loamy soil down south, um, and it's it's easy to plow. It, it holds a lot of moisture, um, and and you know you don't. Um, it does better for agriculture, whereas around here, it's just it's just perfect for pine trees. So, pine trees are king in the middle section of Georgia. But mm-hmm. anyway, that that kind of that kind of I didn't understand that. I, yeah, they I, never I made wish, clear on why they did it that way. Well, they said it was because of uh, the you know Atlanta's in the northern zone and the the more population, and they said they was trying it out. So they tried it out for like ten years in the southern zone, and they mm-hmm. were trying it out down there to see how it would work and. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been wonderful for everybody. I mean, just because you bait doesn't mean it's just a. a I mean, honestly, it, it can make it harder to kill a big buck because it just forces them to be more nocturnal. To be honest with you, but I've heard that. I've heard what, that. Like Ohio yeah. is a bait state, and I hear that a lot from guys from Ohio. Yeah, and I, I I'm not I'm not wanting. I'm an advocate for baiting for for several reasons. One, it helps you get an inventory, but two, the biggest reason is. For uh, our youth, you know, we struggle so much trying to keep youth interested in it. And, uh, you know, with us, with all the pine trees around here, you can't. And you got single moms, you know, the divorce rate is as high as it's ever been across the country. You got a, a single mom that's got a 14 year old boy that wants to start hunting, and uh, all she's got is her uncle's 20 acres, and it's a pine ticket. And he, she's not allowed to, you know, go buy him a, a two bags of corn every week to put out there so that he can try to hunt. And see a deer or something to keep his interest sparked on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, it's a good point. She can't afford a tra- yeah. She can't afford a tractor. She can't afford to go clear these pine trees out and and plant a food plot in there for him to hunt over. 
Whereas if he's got a trail camera, he's interested in more days than just what he's hunting. He's getting an inventory so that when a deer shows up, he's like, oh, that's that old four-pointer I've been seeing. So, and then, and he kind of knows what to expect rather than making a poor judgment on something that he's like, oh man, that's a big buck. And then turns out it's a buck that he didn't want to shoot or Mm -hmm. a a buck that's not legal because they have to be uh, four points on one side here in Georgia. So, you know, I, I mean, there's just so many advantages. And even if you don't see a deer, you got corn out there, you you see a raccoon, you see a possum, you see squirrels, you see an activity, so it keeps their interest up, you know. So yeah, the, uh, I think the pros far outweigh the cons. And, and even if you're hunting uh, soybean fields or corn or, or food plots, it, you're you're basically hunting bait. You just didn't pour it out of a bag. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's a, I love that topic. You know, that's – so – from our perspective, uh, T-Bone, so in Illinois, and I'm sure you know all this because you've hunted all over, in Illinois, we can't supplemental feed at all, like yeah. at all. And especially now when, you know, this morning, Eric, you said it was negative 14. It was negative 18 yeah. when I left for work this morning. And, you know, we just got, yeah. I don't know how much snow we've gotten in the last two weeks, you know. It's, it's going to be brutal for like two weeks straight. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, they're not getting a break from this brutal cold, the snow, and you know, I'm sure they got fields they can paw around through, but when everything's iced over and fro, I mean, we just feel for them. Where Doug and Iowa across the Mississippi and Iowa, they can supplemental feed right now, which I think, and you guys can't bait during season. Not during no. season. But no. I wish Illinois would just jump on that program with the supplemental feed thing, but we just haven't. Yeah, we need to be able to feed like right now. We're right lo- now. we're losing deer every day right now. Yeah, well, it's like bad. you said, we had that yeah. three, we had three inches of ice really early season, so they can't even get down to the. Crop well, imagine be- living out there and getting soaking wet from the rain, and right. then it freezes, and then you get ten inches of snow, right. and then it drops to negative eighteen. That's no, that's no, odds I, are against them. Oh, I, I totally, I, I, I agree with you guys 100%. I'm, it's funny, you was asking me about Georgia rules, and I, I mean, if I give it some thought, I could probably come up with a few that are kind of silly, but, um, you know, I, I think we're fortunate to get to hunt, and I don't mean to just pick on one state, but we're fortunate to get to hunt a lot of states, and, uh, and I'm not saying I know all the rules inside and out, I don't, but I do know... If you had to put a gun to my head and pick the state with the with the silliest rules, I'd have to say you guys in Illinois have got the silliest <laughs> rules. That, uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, there, yeah, there's there's a good there's a good half a dozen to to a dozen that I can think of, like the locking your bow up and uh, <laughs> yeah. can't bow hunt during gun season, and uh, that's ridiculous. So, you can now, I think. I don't know about every county. They changed it a couple of years ago. You can now with a valid. You have to have your. You have to have a gun permit. You have to have the tag for that gun season. Yeah. Um, but that's new. And then, uh, you know, I always say, Illinois, yeah, we know. We suck at everything but deer hunting. Even then, some things suck there, too. But let us have our big deer, and <laughs> and that's all we got going yeah. for us. I got I got a yeah. question real quick. T-Bone, you said you guys have a four-point restriction. You guys ever see, like, monster sixes that aren't legal that just keep living and living? You ever, you ever find those giant six-pointers down there? Oh, yeah, it's funny you said that because uh, um, I was at the parts house today and the guy was showing me a video and he goes, what do you think about this deer? And, I, and honestly, this deer was, he probably gross in the high 130s and it was just a clean six. I mean, a deer <laughs> that, I, I mean, it was so old, he needed a patch on his eye and a, and a walking cane. I mean, he was so old and needed shot, but, you know, and, and that's what I said. I said, that, you know, that's not legal here in this county. I mean, in some counties it's legal to shoot in, but um, there's probably... 15 or or so counties across the the whole state that are trophy counties or uh, quality management counties and uh, has to be four points on one side. So 
you know, in this county where, where that deer was, you can't shoot it. And I'm like, man, that, that, that one, to me, that would be a trophy. And then two, um, it, I mean, it needs to go. You know, you don't want yeah. that. It, if you are doing on a management program, you don't want that one spreading genes anyway. But, man, a big six-pointer like that, I would consider a trophy. Oh, 100%. I, I really. They're so rare. You don't, I mean, back here in Illinois, it's just rare to see a big six. So when we see one, we almost freak out more than if we see a big eight-pointer. Yeah. A big six is pretty yeah. rare back here. Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah. one hunting yeah. on the ground or hunting. There was one living on the ground we hunted in Indiana this year that yeah. Eric and I were on. And um, the neighbor ended up shooting it. I think he was, he's pushing 130 as a clean six. And that's a monster, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, I don't know if you guys remember, and, and don't take this as me tooting my own horn, but couple years ago i shot a deer is the heaviest weight deer i've ever shot over in kansas it was a he was a six pointer he was four on one side two on the other but uh and he had 28 inch main beams he ended up grossing he had some barnacles around the base so he actually had more but mainframe he was just a six pointer with barnacles around the bottom and he grossed 149 oh wow golly yeah that yeah did you mount that deer Oh, oh yeah. Well, he's being mounted now. Actually, um, it, it was a deer that we had so much history with. Me, uh, I did a spot and stalk on him two years prior, and then the year after that, Nick shot him actually in the back, and uh, he went 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 off and actually made a scrape, and he lived. And then the next year is when I shot him. So we, we knew he was eight and a half years old. He didn't have any teeth, and he weighed uh, three hundred and sixteen pounds. Holy <laughs> crap! I yeah. love it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, just a just a tank of a deer and i said i've got to, um, I, and waddell and nick and the guy scored him and they, he grossed you know counting all the barnacles and all he grossed 149 but <laughs> still even if you just counted the six points he would be a pope and young i was like golly i gotta mouth that deer oh that's incredible yeah th- it's uh it's not the same as shooting like a you know a 180s buck but it's it's like a close second as far as oh, yeah. just a kind of like a freaking specimen yeah. of like with a quality or size oh, yeah. or whatever yeah, any redneck could be proud of it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, I get a full body mount in that son of a gun. So, yeah, no, 300 and some pounds. With, with Nick's arrow in, in the back strap. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and put a saddle on him so the kids could ride him when they come over. <laughs> <laughs> right. Put springs around him and put on one of those old stands like those old horses. <laughs> yep. Um, hey, so, Georgia, you said something you dislike. What's something you really love about hunting Georgia? You don't freeze your balls off, man. It's, it's <laughs> nice down here. Yeah, it's rough. It is rough in September and the first part of October. It's really, really hot. But the older I get, I um, I, I can, I can, uh, I, I can handle it better. I uh, bow hunting and putting on so many clothes, man. I just hated it. it. Restricts you so bad, and you just, you know, it's harder to climb. And you know, I'm not as agile as I used to be 20 years ago. So um, it sure is nice. You know, this time, like today, you know, y'all were talking about how cold it was and. Y'all don't beat me up on it today, but it was 68 degrees today. Here. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I had to come out of my sweatshirt by 1030 this morning. You believe that? Oh, it was man. almost 80 <laughs> degrees warmer down there than it was here. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it was. It's going to rain the rest of the week. But, uh, oh, poor oh, you. Yeah. Poor you. <laughs> Feel bad for you. It's going to snow here. So. <laughs> we don't have another trade show yeah. for like two weeks. We could probably come down there and, you know, occupy the basement or yep. whatever. <laughs> right. Guys, come on. We'll do podcasts for the next two weeks down in the basement. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. We might as well come down there, man. It's going to be brutal. You know, the worst thing that's going to happen, you just got to rinse, you know, the – the grime from the rainwater off your truck. Meanwhile, my, I got like a foot of ice still riding on the roof of my truck. Yeah. I've been driving 85 mile an hour to work and back. <laughs> Man, I, I, you know, I, having to do so many uh, 
banquets up up that way usually in the winter time uh, in the past you know 15 years I, I just don't know how y'all do it I swear I don't I mean I was born in Ohio but and I you know we have to travel up there but and Nick lives in Minnesota you know and he's going through it I'm like I would be suicidal. I understand why there's so many bars up there. <laughs> there's nothing else to do. In you the know what? I don't know why that's never clicked with me. But the further you go north, the if more you will, bars there are. you hit Wisconsin and Minnesota. They like to drink. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's and, nothing yeah. else to do up there besides ice gotta fish and drink. Got to keep the sanity somehow. Well, it warms you up. Wait, we, <laughs> we don't have bars down here, guys. We do not have bars. We don't. You know, like and, Dry and County or what? They, no, there's oh, there's plenty of drinking goes on, but there's no bars. It's all tailgate stuff, or in someone's basement, or a back porch. The weather's so good, no nobody. I mean, you might find a bar in like a Red Lobster or an Applebee's, but <laughs> Applebee's. to say that you you know, yeah, I'll make yeah, it work. But to say, yeah, you're not going to stop by. There's no independent bars. There's no bars down here at all. That's okay. crazy. I, I can, I cannot tell you where a bar is within. Within eighty miles in any direction of my house, I can't Holy tell you where smoked. one bar is. See, that's cool, I can man. tell you forty within two miles. Yeah, there. we had eight in oh, my yeah. hometown growing up. We had eight or ten of them at one time. How many people lived in that town? Yeah. Fifteen hundred. That's it. And you had eight or ten bars. Yeah, we lived. I mean, yeah. we were right on the river, so it was like there was a reason for people to come there. But yeah, no shit. When I was sixteen, there was eight bars to go play pool in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we don't have bars. We don't. I mean, nobody. Nobody does that. I mean, like when I've spent time up there, you know, because our offices used to be there in Ottawa, Illinois, there yeah. for a little while, and we'd go up there and for meetings and stay for a week. And that's, I mean, that was just commonplace. Shut her down at five, go to the bar for a couple hours, go get something to eat, and then go home. Yep. I'm mean, like, and I'm like, I, I man, I, I would have a bad problem if I lived <laughs> up here. I couldn't hang with y'all. Well, that's the but thing, I mean, you know. COVID shut all that down, you know what I mean? So all those, all these small bar businesses were struggling. I mean, a lot of them just said screw it and opened anyway. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're doing, uh, we have our bow shoot in June, or just the working class bow hunter shoot, which by the way, we spell it S H E W T, like old T Bone used to spell it on the Monster Bucks videos. And yeah. <laughs> people think we're just idiots. Like they like just, we spelled it wrong like we, on accident. Yeah. That we literally misspelled it. So, they don't get the nostalgia of the joke, but um, we're doing our after but they, party. But they remember it. But they remember it, don't they? Exactly it. Exactly yeah, you need, it. You need to bring old Sadie up one of these yeah, years to show us how to shoot. Yeah. Put on a clinic. Should do that. Yeah, she's she's semi-retired, but uh, she might fling an arrow too. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we have an after party. You know, granted, this is in July. We have an after party at a local tavern that's in a town of, I don't know, maybe five hundred people, but. Kind of as a way, to, you know, I guess that this might be in my excuse for having an after party at a bar after the shoot is we're kind of supporting local biz in a way, you know, our local archery club and then the the small tavern and stuff like those guys are hurting through all this. Maybe not so much the archery club, but the bar for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, I mean, it, it's just the weather, you know, because like, the weather's so great. I mean, nobody wants to be inside now. I mean, that's why indoor leagues don't do well down here. Nobody you don't shoot inside because the weather's so nice in the winter most of the time you can that's when you want to be outside i think a indoor league would do better down here in the summertime when you're sweating your balls off there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, 100 100 degrees with 100 110 percent humidity that's when you want to be inside shooting your shooting your bow yeah no kidding that's right yeah, yeah i guess i don't know i'd rather be cold i think than hot like that but yeah i i tell people that but i guess the older i get i'm not that way i'm I I tell them that uh, I you know you can only get so naked 
when you're hot, but you can put more clothes on to get warm. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. That's exactly you're it. You're not wrong there. That's exactly it. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit. Are, are you a big taxidermy guy? Like, do you mount a lot of stuff? Well, yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I do have a lot of mounts, you know, fortunately because of all the, the places we've got to go hunting, but it's, I'm, I'm, a. And I'm not complaining, but uh, you know you run out of room a little bit, and you just can't mount everything. But I'm a I'm a huge fan of European mounts. I mean, like I don't I, I I've got a lot of European mounts, so um, I, I really like them. But these naturally these uh, the that Mongo six pointer I was telling you about, and then the three bucks I killed this year, they're all getting mounted. So mm-hmm. I've been I've been having to jockey around. I I had to get creative about where I, I got a, a mountain lion I killed in 2016 and. It just come back from the taxidermy in June, and it's been sitting in my garage since June. I said I've got to find a place to put it, and uh, finally I, I cleared out. It's right beside. Actually, the tail is cutting off the, the our big screen TV in our living room. Cutting <laughs> off the, top of the corner. <laughs> That's awesome. That's my so, people. <laughs> do you yeah. ever do you ever think about building this big immaculate man cave, kind of like Nick's building? Well, I've got a. I do have a man cave. And I've got some more room down there. I just, mine, when I built my house, you know, I didn't, it was about the time we started Bone Collector. So I don't have cathedral ceilings and I don't have real tall walls. I got nine foot walls on my upstairs and eight foot walls down below. So, you know, anything like elk or, you know, pedestal mounts, I just don't have a lot of room for. So Mm -hmm. I do have a man cave and I've got a lot of mounts in there and I've probably got, I've probably got about 65 European mounts down there. Is your man cave the the in all the archery videos you guys do on the Bone Collector YouTube? Is that your basement? Yeah, yeah, that's my man cave, and then I have my archery shop right beside that with the indoor range. Oh, very cool! Oh, that's awesome. So, that's sweet. Yeah, so uh, I've thought about it, you know, but I'm like, man, I can't. I I just see so many people. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how to say this, but you know, like I, I've I've got all these mounts and I treasure them. They're just so so precious to me. But I'm like. I, everybody like like Nick has built his whole house around the mount, and you know, and I'm like, God, it's hard to you know fathom spending hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a room to hold your mounts. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe maybe that's just me being a tight ass. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ross just goes, I get uh, it. Ross just got done spending. I don't know how much on his man cave. His is a whole barn. Yeah. Now. No, no, T Bone. It just it gets it can get out of hand pretty pretty quick. Where. It's, yeah, it, and I spent a lot away. on my man cave. That that I, I did, you know, and that was about ten years ago. I built it, but uh, I'm about out of room down there, so I'm having to get creative. And the the wife has drawn the line. There is going to be no furry mounts in our bedroom. And I'm like, I was trying to trying <laughs> to get the, the mountain lion in there, but she wouldn't have it. <laughs> right above <laughs> your headboard. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I I got to be real selective. Like uh, like I've got a. a full mounted bear and i got a and then boy those things take up a lot of room so shoulder mount deer luckily i mean uh, uh, white tails are my favorite so you can put a, quite a few of them on one wall so I, i've still got quite a bit of room for them but if i was to you know kill a moose or you know a really big elk that i needed mounted I, i'm gonna have to get creative somehow you just paid nicks or like a rental fee and put it up at his place for a while and just like get visitation rights I, i'll be honest with you nick Nick owes us because we've uh, we've had to house all of his stuff until he just built his house. Well, there you, <laughs> there you go. Ten, fifteen years, we've been housing his stuff all over the place. So you got to pay up I'm now. Spending 
yeah, it's time. He failed to mention no, that when we did his podcast, just for the record. Oh, yeah, man, he's got a nice place. And I, I we haven't seen the, the whole thing. He showed us some pictures. But I know he – I mean, it means so much to him. You know, taxidermy work is just – uh, just so so precious to him and and uh, you know he's got so many different unique critters he's got uh, you know two brown bears from Russia and he's got so many rams and stuff like that so you know of the three of us by far Nick would be the next Jim Shockey for sure he's the world traveler <laughs> I think if I went on as many hunts and all that as you guys I think I would be a taxidermy nut just the same um, I know Chandler, yeah. you would be for sure. Oh yeah, I can't get away from it. If I shoot a little buck, I'm like, man, do I mount him or do I not mount him? Like I've got you know 25 deer heads, but I need one more. I love them. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, but and, and whatever. And that's the good thing about European mounts is, uh, you know, you can display them. I like that you can display them and you know put them on an angle so that you can, and then you can mount them later if you want to. You know, if you like, you know what, I should have mounted that deer, and then you can mount them if you want to, or. The good thing is you can grab them and you can hold them, you know, and spin them around and yep. really admire them and stuff like that. So there's a there's some advantages to those too. That is a big advantage to like yep. a, a European mount. Like it's there's something about being able to pick up the rack and handle. That's why shed antlers are so fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that is the bonus to the to the euro because I guess you could always have your hides tanned and stored, and then when you need yeah. to, you know, get them get them mounted yeah, up. Yeah, most big on. Most tag service always has extra hides laying around, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm big on original yeah. cape. I like seeing that deer on the wall in the form, you know, wearing the exact same cape that he was wearing. So I'm I'm big on keeping original cape. Yeah, double throat patches and things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Super nice. And then, and then I'm sure we've all had those, this, you know, like, uh, you're just like, oh, man, I need to mount that deer. Yeah, I really mount that deer. And then, like, four years later, you're like, I shouldn't have mounted that one, and I should mount this one. You right. Know, you yep. know, once, you, yep. once you've mounted it, it's like, I should have saved a little money there and mounted one this year. And, man, why did I mount that deer four years ago? You know, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> right, right. Mounter's remorse. Mounter's <laughs> remorse. <laughs> That's right. I don't have any of that, really. I got a bunch of my like my deer I killed when I was young, but those are kind of cool ones to put in my, my kids' room, I think. So yeah, I've got a couple of them too, and boy, boy, taxidermy's come a long ways in the last twenty five years. Hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's crazy how just how much better the forms get and the skill levels get and all that. But it's oh, a yeah. it's a cool art form, man. I appreciate it. I look at my mounts every day with the same sparkle in my eyes I did when I first got them home. I love them. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, I, I I don't know if you guys know, but I, when I started before I was in the industry. Like right out of high school, I worked for Mercedes Benz and I did upholstery work. So I covered stuff in leather and I, you know, and I hand sewed and all that stuff. And I got to thinking, like, I want to do something in the outdoor industry. And I was shooting bows and stuff, but I never went down a path yet. I was still working in Atlanta at Mercedes Benz. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought, man, taxidermy, that's what I want to do. So uh, in the evenings, I started work, helping a guy do taxidermy work. And I thought, that's right up my alley because I know how to do upholstery work and I'll do a taxidermy work. And I worked for him for probably a month, um, you know, three or four nights a week and sitting up there and I was hand sewing and I was, I was doing okay. I mean, he even said I was doing good, but I said, this is not for me, man. There's no way I can do this the rest of my life. So yeah, just, just all the nastiness that you got to deal with. I mean, not that I don't mind doing that, you know, cause we always have to skin our deer and stuff like that. But I'm like, man, I, hats off to the creative and the, the design and the, the, the skill levels and the artistry that the, the taxidermists have so uh 
I, I, I'm glad I tried it because I said I answered that question. That it's not going to be for me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to sell eyeballs into a Mercedes Benz seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be be yeah. kind of wild if you did though. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. different. T Bone just sneaks a few deer I, eyes in there or something. That's the T Bone special. <laughs> right. Yeah. I switched. I switched gears to Fletch and Arrows, and then then away we went. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think when you uh, bought the Mercedes Benz, I think we went. That might have been the first episode we did back in the day. I think you went into detail on all that, if I remember correctly. It's been a while. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, I started working there when I was in high school, and then out of high school, I wasn't too much on grades, and I just kept working there. And then I was like, I need to do something. So I went to I went to Heaton and Air School for two years, a vocational school. I did that for uh, – did went to school for two years, and about the time I was ready to graduate, I was like, man, I do not want to do this the rest of my life. So <laughs> I've never even – I've never worked in the heating and air conditioning field at all. I got a two-year degree, and I made my mom proud, but I never worked. Uh, actually, Nick says it in seminars all the time. He says the only uh, T-Bone's never worked in the heating and air conditioning. In fact, the only unit he's ever pulled is his own. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's funny you bring up that. Like That's what all my brother-in-laws do. They're all in the heating and air business, which – you know, I guess if you live in the Midwest, the heating and air part's working out good. Down there, it's just the air. And that's what Waddell was into, too, right, before he started up? Yeah. Yeah. Sure was. Yeah, he was doing calling contests. He uh, he went to uh, heating and air conditioning school, and his grandma was so proud of him because the place he was working for gave him his own truck. You know, it's like, you've made it, son. Yeah. You've got your own van. You know, you're the man now. And uh, and then he had it for about six months and then quit to to go run a camera and call turkeys and stuff for Bill Jordan and stuff. And his, his, his grandmother was heartbroken at the time. Like you've just throwed away a great career and, you know, and then, but of course, you know, you don't know how things are going to turn out. And right. Then all of a sudden he's in the waffle but, house menu, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Then you've made it. <laughs> then you made right. it down yeah. there. How long have you known yep. Waddell and Nick? I mean, how did you guys all meet? I, we might've covered this, but I'm just kind of yeah, like, timeline in it. Yeah, I um I opened up my store. I lived about an hour and a half north of here, just outside of it, just just west of Atlanta, and I moved down here uh, in 1994 and opened up an archery shop. The better hunting and fishing is south of Atlanta, so I moved down this way, get out of the hustle and bustle. Um, I had worked two years in an archery shop after I quit Mercedes Benz just to learn the retail side of things. Opened up my own store, moved down here, and uh, it was tough, you know, tough beginnings, but. I had a reputation for being a tournament archer and then, you know, therefore people came to our shop and, you know, would, would want to have us working on our uh, bows and stuff. And he lived about 35 minutes away in Manchester, but he was working for Realtree at the time. And, um, I'd met him then and, you know, we kind of knew each other, but we didn't like know each other. And then, right. uh, through real, through Realtree 95, 96, uh, met him and David Blanton and started doing all their work for the guys at Realtree setting their bows up and oh, yeah, that's any right. celebrity that's any any celebrity that they might have had and then about that same time is when Nick uh, being from South Dakota he was guiding hunters at 7J Outfitters in Wyoming and he had met David and started running camera and then we had shared uh, like when he had come for camera school I met him and me and him and Nick, uh, me Nick and Michael were all about the same age and very similar personalities and we we hit it off and then then after uh they'd asked me to be in the monster books in like 98 99 and you know i thought well you know this is my 15 minutes of fame and and then they started asking me to do more and more and then you know me and nick and michael shared camps a few times and then 
Realtree Road Trip started, so we started doing more, and we always stayed in touch, and we uh, hung out and, you know, did things even off the camera, and then we started Bone Collector in basically 2007, so um, that's the kind of the short version, but... Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome, man. I love that. It's cool to, like, just imagine how that all escalated into yeah. what it is, because I view you guys as the biggest in the game as far mm-hmm. as um, quality of show, is that a, entertaining, is that like... A fat joke? if you take it that way it is but that's not how i meant it (laughs) hey that's all on you (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i i really do i like and you know of course i grew up watching you guys for the monster bucks video so my perspective might be a little different you know everybody grows up on something different when they're younger but um yeah i mean does your guys just like family or maybe not like immediate family like distant family um like does your wife's like family understand i know they probably do now but did they in the beginning get like what was going on with like this newfound career or fame or whatever the hell you want to call it um you know i i think it i think in the beginning they just thought ah you know as long as you don't you know have some wild dream of course you never know you know you you don't know what's going to happen each year but right um my wife and and in-laws and family they they it was a little different for me because I traveled so much all through the 90s shooting tournaments. I, I shot, you know, professionally. So every ASA tournament, IBO tournament through the Midwest, I mean, I would shut the store down or, you know, have somebody work the store, and I was traveling, shooting and competing all the way up till the early 2000s. So it was just a switch of gears, basically. Um, you know, I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going to happen. So uh, when I'd sold my store, you know, and Realtree was – I sold my store in 2006, and – you know, Realtree was asking more commitments from me, and I started doing appearances and seminars and stuff like that. So it just started more and more and more. And uh, I mean, I, it was so slow and so gradual. You know, so many people like you guys, you know, said you you've watched this, you know, from the Monster Bucks days. But you know, a lot of the younger kids and stuff, they they just see us on TV now. You know, over the last eight or nine years, and they just think, man, these guys, these guys, you know, kind of just blew onto the scene but they don't realize right. that like me michael and nick have all been you know it's a passion we don't wouldn't change it anyway but we've been kind of grinding it since you know the mid 90s in this industry so yeah that's a good uh, point or, or early 90s yeah but but like my my uh uncles and my dad said you know before i was choosing a career path because so many people when you're a teenager or in the early 20s you don't know what you want to do for a living but they told me pursue a passion and you'll never feel like you worked a day in your life and you know after i graduated heating and air conditioning school you know i said you know what i'm gonna try this because i loved archer i couldn't get enough of it i'm gonna quit my job i took a huge pay cut went to fletching arrows and you know i already knew how to work on bows but i went to do it on a retail level and i'm like i'm gonna try this if i fall flat on my face i can do hvac or i can go back to mercedes-benz but while i'm young i'm gonna pursue a passion and, uh, you know, I don't have a, a mortgage to worry with. I was still living at home. I didn't have a wife or kids or anybody, you know, major responsibilities. It was just my own neck. I was sticking out. I said, I'm going to try this. If I fall flat on my face, I'll go back to doing this. But now's the time to try it. I don't want to be 35 or 40 years old and regret trying it. And and, and I, I will give my dad and my, my uh, uncles credit. They, you know, they were right. You, to Anybody that pursues their passion, you, you don't feel like you've worked a day in your life. You know, I mean – you know, I, I'm sure you guys don't feel like, uh, you know, this podcast is as much work. It's a joy. It's like, oh, man, we get to do a podcast, this, you know, tonight. It's going to be great yeah. to hang out, you know. So 
Exactly. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the way we've always felt. Like, yeah. If it you know, sucked, we would have stopped after that first episode we did with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, anything I've, I've, I've even lived, lived by that as things change, you know, I'm like, you know, if it's not fun anymore, I'm not going to do it. You know, you, you save some pennies so that you don't, uh, you've got a little nest egg behind you so that you, you're not on skid row if you miss one day of work and you just do things that you're passionate about. And if you're passionate about it, you're going to, you're going to provide a really good product and people are going to see that and, uh, they're going to enjoy, you know, watching you or you're going to enjoy doing what you're doing, whether it's, you know, if you enjoy doing plumbing and do, you know, you're the best plumber around, you know, you're going to enjoy doing it. It's like, man, I can't wait to go fix some faucets today. So, uh, you know, <laughs> right. If somebody but, but loves it that much, you somebody's know. Somebody's out there. <laughs> Water main break. Yeah. You're seeing a pile of shit all day. They're like, hell yeah, this is the best. Yeah. Hey, you got to have them guys, man. Shout out to those guys. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, um, pursuing the passion just sure doesn't sure doesn't makes it easier to put eighty hours into your craft, you know, or, or your work, you know, whenever you love it. Whereas, yeah, you know, if you're staring at the clock and can't wait to get the hell out of there at 501 you know it, it, that might not be the best career for you but yeah unfortunately so many people get responsibilities and they have to do that so we want to make sure that uh you know they enjoy the time that they do get to be in the woods and they do uh get to enjoy the outdoors you know the hats off for all the responsibilities of the mom and dads that are out there and they can enjoy their their free time and their recreational time for sure for sure no i love that i love that whole background story that build up because you know, we're trying to grow this to whatever it grows into, but if it doesn't, we're still going to do it. So it's like, you know, you have these goals, you picture it, where it could go or where you yeah. want it to go, but you work hard either way. And if it happens, it happens. If not, if not, it's, I mean, a lot of it's just like, however, it just ends up, you know, if there's, you don't have a lot of right. control over some of that, I guess, fate or however you view it or whatever you believe in, but um, either way we're hustling. So, um, Hey, on the, did I notice, I hated to interrupt you, but, and that's, that's a great point, but. Did I notice that y'all are uh, y'all are doing it now in a larger room? It looked like y'all are got like a. I know you had the working class, uh, you know, the little studio room that was kind of just like a table and just enough room for your cha- chairs around there. But now it seems like you got a big room. Am I right by saying that? Yeah. So well, maybe I don't know exactly what you're referring to, but I think uh, so. We I moved recently within the last year or so. Um, a little over a okay. year. So we got a little bigger studio. Um, so we've done, you know, done everything, our monitor on the wall, upgraded mics, um, up, did some add-ons to the table. So yeah, it's, it's much larger than it was from our first studio. <laughs> a lot bigger. Um, it's a lot bigger. Like we have, you can get up and walk around someone to get to the bathroom. So before you had to like, everyone had to stand up for you to go take yeah, a piss. Suck it in. I think for a time, someone would get up. Like if you were where you were at, Eric, you'd have to get under, crawl underneath the table while yeah. we were recording and get to the door and walk out to pee. Now, yeah. We're kind of like, look at us, you know, we got like four extra foot. It's a little bigger than that, but uh, we're working now on our, we're working now on a destination studio. Um, and that's just what I'll say now on the podcast, but we're working on a place where people can come to as an experience for working class bow hunter shows. Oh, that's great. So we're working. You have to yeah. come on up when we get that done. Yeah, so. be our first guest. I'll do it. I'll do it. Just let me know. I got plenty of frequent flyer miles I need to use, so let's do it. Yeah, we got bars up here. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to experience that. <laughs> see what that's like. <laughs> we got hams on yeah. draft. I think at one of them, so you get to see what that's like. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I want to close with one thing, and maybe we've asked you this before, but um, 
who right now is your bow hunting idol? Um, it's my my bow hunting idol has been the same. I, I mean, I respect and look up to a lot of them. You know what I mean. But my bow hunting idol is Randy Olmer, um, and and that's not just from a. I mean, he and I are like the farthest polar opposite from each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But nonetheless, um, we've been friends from way back when. Um, I just, I kind of idolized his mental game um, from the early 90s uh, as a target archer, as a 3D archer, and then also as a bow hunter. I just, uh, um, I, I, I gained so much from following him, and he had some instructional uh, VCR tapes back in there. That, that's really showing how old I am. But I love nonetheless, it. yep. But uh, anyway, I, I just I, I used I, I couldn't get enough of following him, and just uh, basically was a sponge to all his knowledge and what he had went through, and um, you know, kind of uh, uh, I guess mimicked uh, things that that he's done, and and it really helped me as far as being a successful target archer and and uh, archer period. So. He's one. Uh, you gotta, you gotta respect Levi Morgan, uh, Dan McCarthy, Jeff Hopkins. There, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's, yeah, there's a bunch a of them out there that I've. Yeah, Levi Morgan is just. I, I don't even think he's human, really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> guy's a robot. Seriously, the word's still out. <laughs> yeah, and he's been. I mean, he's been shooting even back. I mean, I remember shooting with him. He was a. He was shooting in the kids' classes, young adult, way back when, and this was in the. You know the the early 2000s and stuff, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, he's been shooting forever. He's got to be close to my age. And then then I you know I see and talk to him, and he's like, yeah, I'm 31. I'm like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's still so young, and he's won a gazillion, uh, you know, shooters of the year and, and tournaments and stuff like that. But no, he, he and it 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 couldn't happen to a nicer guy. He's just super super nice, super humble, great family, good Christian guy. I I uh. Yeah, I look up to him a lot too. But he's like the I, John I Jones totally, of archery. Yeah, that's exactly right. Except yep. with the, without and, uh, the steroids blemish on his record. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, Fred Eichler. Fred Eichler's one. You know, he's great to watch. I mean, you love his enthusiasm, and the man's killed the um, you know the uh, Grand Slam, the Super Slam with a recurve. I mean, think about yeah. that, man. Yeah, that's but, amazing. So, uh, that's yeah, amazing. hardworking, good family guy, and. Uh, you know, just still gets excited over shooting a forky. So it's, it's <laughs> that awesome. is it is refreshing to watch. Yep. Hey, uh, real quick. Okay, so I thought that was the last one, but I got one more. This is something you and I have in common. I find like we went out to dinner in Wisconsin at one of the shows, and we sat there and bullshitted about fighting the whole time, and just uh, yes. So I think every time we get together in person, we kind of have like a side conversation where everybody, you know, does whatever they're doing. We're talking about like, hey, so who do you think so and so should fight? What do you think about this? Uh, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor thing. Like, what what do you think happens next? Do you think they do a trilogy, or, or what happens? Well, I think they probably will do a trilogy on that. I know Dustin Poirier will because of, uh, I mean, that's a that's a good payday anytime Conor McGregor's involved. Oh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I don't really know. I, I don't know who I would like to see fight for the belt on that. I mean, Poirier and uh, Chandler really impressed me when he – yeah. Uh, when he fought, I mean, like, man, it, he's an animal. But you know, he's only got one fight under his belt as a UFC fighter. Right, right. Um, hey, so, there's talk. I saw an interview today with uh, Daniel Cormier and uh, Ariel that they're talking the trilogy for the belt with Connor and Poirier. Yeah, I, I, well, 
I don't think it should I be mean, for the belt, a, but I feel like Poirier well, should have I, the belt. Yeah, I do too. I, I kind of do too. Um, but you know, nobody's talking about Olvera either, right? Um, you know, him, him, and uh, Poirier and Chandler. Those those are the three that have the best shot at, uh, or those are the ones that should be fighting it out for the belt. I don't think Connor's deserving. So, I mean, I like to see Connor fight. Don't get me wrong. I'm like everybody else, but I don't think he's at the level to where he should be fighting for the belt. I agree. I agree. I didn't know if you felt yep. strongly about that division or not. It's like it's full of killers right now, so I just wanted to – I haven't got to check in with you on it for a while. Yeah, and I can't wait for John Jones to fight heavyweight. Uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, uh, Stipe and uh, – I forget the guy's name. Uh, they're they're going to fight in March, I think. Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm drawing a blank too. I'm, I've just, just been paying attention to 155 so much that I've kind of blanked on everybody else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, gosh, what's his name? Anyway, he, Angola? No. I'll, f- I'll find out. N- Nagana. Francis? Yeah, Nagana. Is that right? Yeah, it's Stipe uh, Miacek and Nagana. They're fighting um, in March. And then I, I don't think John Jones needs to go for the belt right off the fly, but I'd like to see him up against a, like a Black Beast or, or uh, uh, gosh, Volkov, uh, one of them here soon i'm trying to find the uh, i'm trying to pull it up but um which one is it february 13th february 20th march 6th oh is that march uh 6th the uh, well dang it yeah okay nagano yeah i don't know how to say it. is that francis nagano or do yeah. i gotta mix up with somebody else yeah no no it's francis nagano yeah, gotcha. Yeah, those scary dudes, man. I don't know. 155 is scary enough. I don't think I need <laughs> – I want to think about heavyweight guys. Yeah, Saturday, March 27th is that fight. Yeah, and I'm, I'm about tired of hearing Nate Diaz just – I mean, he's just mouthy. Like, I mean, not that <laughs> – He's, he's been mouthy for decades. <laughs> oh, I know it. And the only thing that Nate's got going for him is that he does have a – just a – I think his skull's got to be at least – at least a half inch thicker than anybody else. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. dude, scar tissue can't knock him out. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, so one fifty five is stacked. I had I had to just get your opinion. I'm sorry, I was trying to pull up one fifty five division on the UFC website, but it's uh, you know, we live in the middle of nowhere here, so it's like painful to pull up anything on the internet. Yeah, and Justin Gaethje, don't forget about that. Even though he, you know, uh, he's he's one to think about on there too. I mean, I know he lost to. Uh, Poirier. Well, he yeah. lost to Poirier but, and Khabib. I, Gaethje's probably my favorite right now in the division. I just like his attitude and the way he fights. Yeah, I do too. And uh, and I I don't I, I mean I wish Khabib would come back. I mean I really I do. hate I Khabib personally. I hate him. I don't. You do? Yeah, I can't stand him. He just lays on people the whole time. I can't I can't stand it. I want to see people yeah, scrap I, it out. You know. Yeah, I I agree. You gotta. I mean, you you gotta. I mean, it's different than what you know as far as action pack, but you gotta appreciate his dominance. And then, man, I love watching him and DC go back and forth. Man, that is comical. Yeah, I mean, I respect him definitely do, but I guess yeah. I want the. I just know he's gonna win every time, and I think that's why I hate him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like uh, Dominic Cruz. Like he aggravates me to watch him because all he does is moves around and he scores points, but there's no. There's no horsepower behind his punches. It's just like, yeah, you got a point, 
but you know all you're doing is dancing and, and aggravating people and you're not really hitting them hard yeah yeah that's why i like gaethje i think like he's just he's there to he's there to make some money and get it over with and put on a show it's kind of cool and I, it, it hurts me to hear Justin Gaethje talk too, because man, I I know he needs some nose work because he cannot breathe. Man, he is <laughs> such he he is such a, a mouth breather. Man, he's like sounds like a well, I'm gonna age myself a slee stack. So there, everybody that's listening, I want you to Google what a slee stack is, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking. about. I don't about. even know what that is. Do you, Chandler? <laughs> no, You're the I oldest don't. in here. We, I don't. None of us know. Yeah. All right. Well, when we get off, that's the homework for working class and everybody listening. <laughs> You got to go Google what a slee stack is, and uh, it's the land of the lost. It's a TV show when I was a kid, and a slee stack's on there, and you, you'll you'll laugh like crazy. Okay. And I want to see everybody. Everybody's got to post a picture of a slow, a slee stack we'll on their social it. media and tag me in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if our I listeners don't even know are how to doing spell that. Well, Google. We'll correct it for you. So our listeners are going oh, to Google that, post it, and tag you. Yep, and and tag working class bow hunter and tag T Bone and tag Justin Gaethje in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. he's gonna want to as, kick our asses as a living flea stack. Yeah, tag T Bone and don't tag us in there. I don't want to get like I don't want to be at a bar in Colorado and Justin Gaethje walks in yeah. and just kicks the shit out of me. <laughs> I know it. Yeah, and make sure you uh, jump on YouTube and watch at least a at least a ten minute episode of uh, Land of the Lost and the Flea Stacks. Okay. Land of the Lost. We'll look that up right after this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Guys, man, we appreciate it. We always do. It's always a joy. Too bad we ain't too close together, man. I'd love to be sitting there with you all every week. Well, we'll figure something out here sooner or later. Um, I, I'd hate to wait till the next trade show season to get together, but we'll, we'll, we'll just keep in touch, man. We'll figure something out. That sounds good, man. Anytime. I, I appreciate everybody. And let's uh, everybody keep their head on right and. Hopefully we'll be back to some kind of normal for long. I think so. Yeah, I think hopefully. So. so, all right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you.